listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples, not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are in this series uh, called Thresholds. And it's this idea, in, uh, particularly in uh, Celtic spirituality, that we go through these periods of time in life where suddenly things are different, that on this side of the door is one reality and on the other side of the door is a new reality, a new way of being, that some, something has happened and something has changed from this side to the other side. Most of us think of thresholds as like a door. We think of being on the threshold as being on the doorway of it, and, and we do. We often take on a different identity and a thought and purpose and feeling according to the doors we walk in and out. I know that recently I picked my wife up from a flight. She landed at 11.30 at p.m., at Denver Airport. Of course, it took about an hour and 45 minutes for her to get off the plane and into the airport because it's DIA, am I right? Are you with me, people? It's ridiculous, I don't know what takes so long, it just does. And so, it, and so by the time you, we got there and then we got in the car and we drive, why did, why did we put an airport out there? So by the, you know, we drive the 45 minutes to come back here and we finally, it's one o'clock in the morning and we pick up all our suitcases and we open the door and she's home. Do you understand that feeling? And going through that door, it's like, ah, I'm here. She's crossed the threshold. She's no longer a traveler. She's home. We think of this too as, as not just the literal door, but also the idea of the spiritual work or, or life changes or things that happen in our life where suddenly on this side is one reality and on the other side, everything is changed. I know that I went from that moment on this side where it was just me and Tia and then suddenly that little boy was born and I'm holding this child and everything is different. Everything, I, I have a new identity. 
I have a new way of calling myself. I have to change the way I think, work, act, live, behave. Everything is different when this little one is in my head. I, suddenly, it's like, oh, and everything is changed. Everything. It's like on this side is this. And then there's a shift in a relationship, a shift in a diagnosis, a shift in a life, a shift when you say, I can't stay here anymore. I need to change my job. I need to change how I live this way. There is a, a moment where we're on the threshold of something new, of a change in our life. It's that kind of threshold that we're talking about in this text. This text is loaded with meaning. Up to now, in Matthew, throughout all of the stories up to this moment, there is this giant question mark hanging around Jesus, where everything that happens up to now, people are saying, who is this? Who is this? There's a healing, and they're like, who is this that even makes the lame walk? Jesus calls out, and all the storms are quieted in the waves, and who is this that even the waves and the storms and the seas obey? That Jesus teaches, and they come and say, who is this that teaches with such authority? This question mark hangs over Jesus. Who is this? And here, right in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, is a new reality. In this one, they're walking into this place they call the District of Caesarea Philippi, clearly a Roman place. You don't name it after a Caesar if you're a bunch of Jews, and so it's a very Roman place. And in Caesarea Philippi is this huge cave, this huge cave that according to the Roman tradition was the entryway into Hades, the place of the dead. So they had this huge gate and this huge place over this cave there. And as you would walk into the Caesarea Philippi, they had all of these statues that lined the road all the way down. And all of these were different Roman gods and their names would be written across the bottom. And so you can imagine the disciples and Jesus walking down the road, looking at all of these statues, and then Jesus turning to the disciples and saying, hmm, well, who do people say the son of the man, the son of the one, the son of humanity, the son of the beginning. Who do people say that one is? Now remember, the disciples have all been walking with the same kind of question hanging over their heads. So they, they kind of hem and haw like they do. They're kind of like, well, um, Lord, I guess some say Elijah and some say Jeremiah and some say a prophet. Oh. And then Jesus turns it and directly asks them, who do you say that I am? Who am I? And it's Simon who speaks up. Simon. If there's one person you could count on in the disciples to get it wrong, it would have been Simon. Simon was the B team of the disciples. Simon, if you, if, you said, if you said, wash me, he'd say, don't wash me. If it was like, he's the one who denied. He's the one who betrayed. He's the one who said, I'm, he, Simon was the ding dong of the disciples. He was just an idiot. But even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. Am I right? And every once in a while, we glimpse that moment of truth. And, Jesus, and Simon, I, I, I could almost hear Simon saying, well, you're the Messiah. Duh. You're the Messiah. Messiah meaning is a Hebrew word. A Hebrew word meaning the anointed one, the one that they would normally call the king, but not always the king. The one who is called to lead, to guide, to hold up, to bring the people together. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Not the dead, 
but the living. And Jesus is like, oh, Simon, you did it. Because clearly you didn't think of this. But God must have heard that. In fact, he, he says, did you, did you hear him say, Simon, son of Jonah? Did you hear that? Simon, son of Jonah. Did you know Jonah in the Old Testament is the worst prophet in the whole Old Testament? He is the dumbest prophet of them all. It's this parable and jo- Jonah, Jonah literally means dove. And in the Hebrew culture, the dove is the whining one because doves sound like this. Ugh, uh, uh. And so they call this prophet in this parable is called Jonah because the whole time Jonah in there is going, I don't want this. Uh, God says, Jonah, go and tell the great Ninevites to repent. And Jonah goes, no. And he gets on a boat and goes the other direction. And God has to like pick him up and throw him back over there. And then he goes over there. It's a city that's three days wide. He only walks one day in, gives the shortest sermon in the history of sermons, three days and y'all are dead. And he turns around and walks back out. <laughs> and It worked. And then what does Jonah do after it works? He complains that it worked. He goes to God, I didn't want to do this, God. Why? Because you are abundant in love, slow to anger, and I knew you would forgive him. And who wants to forgive the Nineveh? Yeah, that's Jonah. Jonah's the idiot. So when when he says, oh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, this isn't a compliment. Blessed are you, Simon, Simon, son of Jeff, for the world hasn't revealed this to you. You've not figured this out, but the Father, God has revealed this to you. And not only that, but now everything has changed. You're changed. You don't even have the same name anymore. Now your name is Peter, the, the Greek word for rock, like petrified forest. In Hebrew, Aramaic, probably he was called Cephas. You might have seen that, Kephas, Cephas, because that's the Hebrew or Aramaic word for rock. You're the rock, and on you, the dumb one, the wrong one, the whiner, the idiot, I'm going to build my church on that one. And the gates of Hades, that giant hole, will not prevail against even you. Beautiful, right? Everything for Peter changed in that moment. Everything for him changed. As soon as, as Peter made that confession, as soon as Peter recognized Jesus for who Jesus was, it mean everything about Peter's life changed. He had to be a new person. He had to live in a new way. He had to become different. Like me holding that baby knew that I had a whole new name, Papa, Dad, Father. I have a, Peter had a whole new name once you make that confession. I've, ha- I've been on thresholds like that myself. I've, I have my own story where, where I think like a lot of us do, we kind of want to do our own life and do it exactly how we want to do it plus Jesus, right? Where we kind of, I want to do what I want to do, like what I want, believe what I want to believe plus Jesus. But when we confess, when we confess that, that there is a force in the universe blowing through all creation connected to all living things and all humanity that claims every soul as its own. And we see the fullness of this in Jesus who shows us the way to truly live, to show us the divine plan for life and death and life again, for care and and, and support and, and justice and wholeness. When we see Jesus and we say, that's the way we're supposed to live, you don't get to have you plus Jesus anymore. Jesus takes over your life. Everything has changed. 
everything is different. You, you can't be the same anymore. For me, I couldn't be the same. I couldn't do J plus Jesus. I had to rethink how I thought of everything. I had to rethink what I thought of myself, how I lived, how I worked, how I cared for my neighbor, how I saw my neighbor, how I saw people that were told that they were less than human, that that's not the plan. I had to rethink, and I have to speak up about that. I can't let that go. It changes everything. Paul puts it this way. Do you know what worship really is? It's not coming into a space and singing some really good songs, right? <laughs> it's presenting your whole body, you that you are, as a sacrifice. Hear that again. Ooh. It means you have to set yourself down and sacrifice it. That is spiritual worship. You don't get to be the same. You have to change. He says it this way. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be conformed to the usual stuff. That's boring. Power, empire, control, hierarchy, putting people down, lifting up the rich, putting down the poor. That's old. That's boring. Be transformed in the way that you think by the renewing of your minds. See in a new way. Observe in a new way. See how God does it, that the poor are lifted up high and the rich are brought down low, that those who are told they are out are in. Jesus says to the religious elite, what do you mean, what am I doing? The poor have good news brought to them. The lame walk, the blind see. That is the way that God works. It transforms everything and it changes who we are. We don't we don't get to be the same. See, God loves you too much to let you stay the same. Too much. God adores you too much to say, no, just keep doing whatever you're doing. Like any good parent, God says, I love you so much. Now go clean your room. <laughs> I love you so much. But my kids don't talk to people that way. I love you so much, but that person's hungry. In my family, we feed them. We care for them. I love you too much to think that about that person. They are holy and good and true and right. You need to welcome that one into your home. God loves you too much to let you be conformed to the patterns of the world. God is asking for you to be transformed in the way that you're thinking, that we are always living on a threshold and that we are always in that process of change. That is, that is our spiritual worship. I've made some big steps, but guess what? I've not made it yet. I still mess it up every day. I still get it wrong every day. And thanks be to God that I have a God who says, I love you too much to let you drown in that, but to pick you up and say, today we try again anew. Whatever threshold you're stepping into right now, maybe it's just a threshold of your life or, or choices or, or work or relationships or diagnosis or hope or wherever is that threshold is, it's time, it's time to think how Christ, if we're going to confess that the Christ is present in and all things to change, to be transformed, to walk across that threshold and say, things are different there now. May you, may you experience the heartbreaking, painful, beautiful, 
and holy experience of being transformed daily across every threshold, deeper and deeper into the image and impression of God. If you'll pray with me. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, on paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out in good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. In the name of Jesus, amen.